in the first years as a sales, I hated sales. You know, sales professionals, they win more, but they lose earlier. I get paid to, to, to have fun, and I really mean it. Welcome to the Revenue Discussion Podcast. This podcast aims to inspire and educate the newest generation of revenue leaders on various subjects related to sales, marketing, revenue operations, and customer success. Every week, we'll invite an inspirational guest who is willing to share his or her insights, strategies, and tactics that has worked or are still working for him or her. Today, we invited Bruno Desmet to the show. Bruno is founder and managing partner at the House of Sales. The man, as you'll notice, is a 100% sales. We go deep into his career and how sales has evolved over the years. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Bruno. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? I'm really fine. Eh? Yeah. I'm thrilled to looking forward to this uh, podcast and to the <laughs> nasty questions that you are guy you guys the nasty are gonna, questions. Uh, nasty questions uh, you, you guys. You know, are you know us me. pretty well. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Awesome. Now Bruno, um, you know, you, you are managing director of the House of Sales, right? Mm -hmm. One of the references in Belgium, if I may say, for sales consultancy and sales training. Um, when I looked at your LinkedIn profile, I see more than 30 years of sales experience. So it's clear, it's pretty clear that you are all things sales. But um, I would actually like to start about the Bruno before he entered into sales. So let's go back when you were like 12 to 18 years old, you know, uh, kind of secondary secondary school. Who was Bruno back then? Were you the, the shy guy, the, the, the smart one, the joker, the athletic one? Who was Bruno? All right, secondary school. Um, I was not really shy, as you may expect. Uh, I was not really the uh, front guy either. Um, I was surrounded by um, some people. So I had uh, quite some friends and, um, and relatives. Um, at that time, I was also very much into sport. Um, I played what kind of sport? Uh, soccer uh, for a while until I, I uh, went to university. Uh, I also switched with tennis. So I played uh, soccer in winter and tennis in summertime. Um, cool. I was not in uh, youth organizations like the Scouts or uh, the Hero, but uh, I must say that uh, I was quite social, frankly. And, has, and has there always been a commercial side to the things you do? Um, what do you mean by commercial? Like when you were young, were you already selling yeah. things? Were you doing certain jobs with a commercial standpoint in it? Uh, I don't, not at all. Not at all. Um, I was Were you thinking about money? Uh, well, money, of course. Everybody uh, <laughs> dreams about money because money uh, helps you make your dreams come true. But I was not fixed on money, uh, frankly speaking. Uh, the idea of moving into uh, business or sales came later when I was at university, when I was recruited at university for a sales position. Then for the first time, um, I was facing with the job as a sales because my perception about sales was not like, that's, that's not what I want to do. I want to go into business. What was, what was your perception about sales? Well, you know, to be very frank, uh, the perception about sales is not what it should be. Right, it's about people mm -hmm. that are um, very eager to sell you certain series of things that you don't actually need. Um, they kind lack trust. They are push pushy. Though that that was my perception at that time, which is of, right. of course wrong because uh, sales professionals are everything except what I said. I just said. <laughs> so tell us more about university. Um, what did you study there? And then how did you jump into sales just after right of college? Yeah. Uh, so I, I studied um, economics, right? Uh, that was in Brussels. And then after my studies, I moved to Louvain-la-Neuve uh, for a master. Okay. Uh, at that time, it was an... Uh, in in Francais? It was mixed. There was French and English. It was an okay, exchange cool. uh, program of the IAG, which is part of the UCL, Louvain-la-Neuve. 
with okay. the University of Boston. So we had a series of professors from uh, univers uh, University of Boston. So that was a mixed program, French and English. And um, there was a campus recruitment organized by ISEC at that time. And um, HP was there. And the recruiter at the time, he, he, he told me, you should, go in, you should go into sales. So I was like, Ooh. So he could tell that beforehand. So he had some particular you know, elements, aspects that made I, you already a, a salesperson back then. I only had an interview, right? So there was an opportunity to, to come into contact with a series of companies. Um, and based on the interview, the guy said, you should go into sales. And I was quite surprised because, as I said before, my perception about sales was not what it should be. <laughs> so I felt like, okay, let's let's give it a try. Uh, he invited me for a role play exercise because they were looking for uh, somebody in the HP at that time. Uh -huh. And uh, so I participated in a, in a role play. And I had two more senior uh, sales guys as competitors. So we were three for the position of one. And to my big surprise, I got the job. Okay. So, uh, and what what has what has charmed you about about the job? Because you said you had a misperception about mm -hmm. about sales at the beginning, but then you went for it anyways. So what what was what did charm you there? Um, what I like, of course, about sales is to get along with people. Uh, as oh, I yeah. said before, you asked the business. question, uh, "How were you uh, during your secondary school?" So I like to be surrounded by people. Um, I wanted to go into conversations with people. So that was the positive part. The social part, I liked it. But to be very frank, and now I'm going to announce something which is a scoop for uh, everybody who knows me. But in the end, in the, first, uh, in the first years as a sales, I hated sales. Because oh, I, I, lost, I, lo I lost a lot of deals in, in my early days as a sales. I, I lost a lot of deals. I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't know at that time how to do uh, it properly. So uh, when you get smashed in the face and when you run a few times uh, with your face against the wall, that's not something that you like as a young guy. Uh, so my, my, my first, very few first years in sales were not a big success. Um, did, you ever th did you ever think about quitting sales yeah. because of those bad experiences? Absolutely. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. I lost more deals than I won deals at that time. Uh, luckily, I had a, a few senior people around me at that time at HP saying, okay, uh, you know, that's normal. Uh, you are in a learning uh, stage. Uh, allow yourself to make mistakes. Allow yourself to fail. Uh, but at that time, when you are in the middle of it, <laughs> I can tell you, uh, I was uh, seriously considering to moving outside of sales and doing a yeah. different job. So I, I said I to think... myself, or you change and find a way to win, or you do something different. And they always say you have to learn from your mistakes. Do you have a certain like ritual now, a certain like process of learning from your mistakes? Or did you have by then and did you learn it now? Yeah, I'm, I'm still learning. It, it's, an, it's a never-ending process. Um, I still make mistakes today. Uh, of course, not uh, that much as in my early days, as you can imagine, but it still happens that I make uh, mistakes. And um, the art is to, uh, to, 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 to step back uh, uh, from the heat, look at it and see what could you have done better, right? And learn from it. Um, and if you learn from a mistake, it makes you stronger, right? Um, it's a little bit like Roger Federer. When he started playing tennis uh, in his early days, he lost a lot of games, even against Belgian players. He lost a lot. He had a, a bad temper like John McEnroe. Uh, he was throwing with his racket, quite aggressive. And then by losing and losing and losing, in the end, start thinking about, okay, you are the problem. You are making the mistakes, not the customer. So what should you, what should you do differently so that in, an, in, in, in the near future, it doesn't happen anymore, right? Okay. It's like when you, when, you, when you are in MMA, in a, in a combat sport, if you don't get stronger, well, you get hit by the other one, right? Right. So, um, and this is a very diff difficult experience. That was a very extremely difficult and, and frustrating experience in my early days. Um, especially, I think, as a young guy, you know, you're, you're ambitious, you're, you're new, you want to prove yourself, and then you just get hit by a loss and a loss and a loss. And you, absolutely. I, can, I can imagine it's frustrating. Absolutely. 
Um, I was the youngest sales guy at HP, by far the youngest. So you can imagine, I was, oh, yeah. I was, I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to drive these big cars. Uh, the, you know, the senior sales guys were, were were driving the biggest cars, and I wanted one of these. And did you so, then have one aha moment that changed your whole way of working and that helped you win more deals? Absolutely. Um, and I go back for that to uh, the period of 1990 and 1995. Uh, I was working for HP at that time, and I left HP to go and work for uh, Lotus, uh, Lotus Notes, which is a software company. So all of IBM sudden, now, right? Yeah, that's that was IBM because I was on a Friday. I was still working for HP. I moved then to uh, to Lotus, and over the weekend, that same weekend, uh, Lotus was bought by IBM, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So I could still continue wearing my. Uh, blue suits of uh, of HP. And so you switch from job during the weekend that they uh, just exactly acquired. exactly that exactly that that weekend <laughs> right, and uh, to my big surprise, for the first time, I saw a presentation uh, at IBM from one of my previous competitors, and I was like shocked because the slides there was at that time the internet was raising at that time, so there was. It was at the early stages of the internet. So at that uh, moment, salespeople were still presenting to the customer because there was not, all the information was not available on the internet. So they mm. were presenting. And I saw that presentation of that guy from, from, from IBM and it was exactly the same presentations that we gave at HP. Exactly the same except the logo. Oh, so wow. the first aha moment was like, come on guy, you have been telling for years Exactly the same than your competition. So from that moment onwards, I stopped presenting. And I said to myself, you have to go in a conversation with your customers. And a conversation not about your own belly button, but about the belly button of your customer. And it was a massive aha moment. So from that moment onwards, I stopped presenting. I threw all these presentations away And I said to myself, have conversations instead of presentations and talk about uh, the ambitions of your customers, where they want to go, what they right. want to achieve. And that was, that was massive. Because you, you immediately saw a difference in, in results out of that approach? Because I also believe in that approach, but... Absolutely. Absolutely. Because was it something it, new for it at the time then? Did a lot yeah. of people do that? Yeah, it, it was, it was, that's why I said it was the period 1995, right? When the, the, there was the raise of the internet before customers didn't know anything. Today, they know much more than the salespeople because everything is available on the internet. So they, they know a lot, a lot of more, a lot more on your products and your company and also on the, on the products and, and the company of the competition than, than you know, right? So there okay. is, there is no need to present anymore have conversations, right? Um, and that is, that is, at that time, it was, it was complete transformation, right? Uh, at HP, uh, we had presentations for everything. And the first thing we wow. did when we met with a customer that was opening, uh, let's say, at that time, our laptop, <laughs> right? And start presenting, or even with the foils at the time, with the plastic foils eh, on the overhead. That, 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 what was, that was what we did at the time. So and then, the, yeah, from, that, that's kind of product selling. You just present your product, and you hope they exactly, you know, they they, they will fish some in some aspect that yeah. uh, have your business yeah. doesn't work anymore. Yeah, of course. So I, I think that's interesting. So go into a conversation about the belly button of the customer, the prospect. Have you had another aha moment like that? Uh, maybe later in your sales career. Yeah, of course, uh, I had a, I had a, a, a series of aha mom moments. Eh? Um, I also uh, remember the time when when um, I lost um, a lot of deals, and I was asking myself, okay, why do you lose actually? And one of the reasons is because um, I was not in control, right? Um, okay. And this is the biggest. And what does that make? What does what does that mean? Being in control as a salesperson, because you also don't want to be too pushy. You still want to mm -hmm. let the customer, you know, decide for himself or herself 
what he or she wants. So what is it being in control as a salesperson to yeah. you? This is a massive difference, uh, differentiator between uh, the sales professionals out there. There is only 5% sales professionals out there in the market. And one of the characteristics is they're always in control. And you, uh, you get in control when, first of all, you build a relation with the customer, when you build trust, right? When you get trust. Afterwards, in a second stage, when you can prove contribution to the business of your customer, that customer will allow you to take control over their decision process. They will ask you, Bruno, help us make a decision in your favor. So we need to come to a consensus between different stakeholders in our company. Can you help us? get a consensus amongst us in your favor. So that is massive. That is one of the four characteristics of a sales professional. Take control uh, not only about your own sales process step by step, end to end, but also taking control about the decision process of your customer. Okay, interesting. That's another um, aha moment. Uh, I had different other ones like being much more selective in choosing your customers, right? Uh, under pressure of revenues, under pressure uh, of making, making profit, uh, you are very eager to sign up customers, right? To get the money. Right. Um, but in the Pretty end, you end, up, you end up with frustrations and uh, really hard relationships with your customers. Frankly speaking, and this, is, uh, this has nothing to do with arrogancy, I, we choose our customers. If I don't feel eagerness or if I don't see fire in the eyes of our customers to do business with us, I step back. And in the end, uh, we love our customers. And I really do. We really, well, we don't, we don't love our customers. We love the people working for our customers because we have been very selective in the, um, in the, in the, in the process of, of be- becoming in, or getting into a relationship so that afterwards it's it's there is a lot of generosity between the two parties we help each right. other there is no customer supplier relationship uh, that we have no. it's, it's still really... is a people business exactly people. exactly exactly yeah and where do you then right. look for if you look for a good customer what are the characteristics of a good customer well a good customer first of all uh, it's important that uh, from your own perspective, you do good seg- uh, segmentation exercise and think about who, um, how does your ideal customer look like. And you can have um, two different segmentations. We have two. At the House of Sales, we have two. First of all, we have the corporate customers, right? And then we also have the scaling customers, right? So small, small uh, startup, not really startups. They're also already making money. They're uh, already having customers, but they want to accelerate their move to become uh, a scale-up. So these are two kind of different segments. And it's extremely important that think, think about what, what is the profile of these uh, clients. That's that's first thing. That's about profiling the targets. But the next step is then the interactions that you have with the people. Because as, as Dylan said, uh, it's extremely important. Sales is a people business. Business is right. a people's business. So it means that uh, for me, it's very extremely important in the first contacts that I have with um, our clients, um, it should be, I'm not saying pleasant, but you should feel a kind of respect for each Energy other. And- uh, yeah, there should be a kind of energy that from the people. I would, I would lo- I love to see some fire in the eyes, like I said before, yeah. that they really want to move forward and that they really want to work with us. Right. And, and then, because we are extremely generous to our customers, and it's so fun if, if they are eager to work with us, being generous, it's, it's, it's not an effort, right? It's, it's, it's a pleasure. Each one of our and customers, they have my mobile number and they can call me anytime, right? And they don't make any mistake of that. And that so should be the case it's, it's because yep. sales must be fun. Sales exactly. is fun if you do it the right way. 
with the right people. Yeah, as I said in the beginning, it was not fun because I, I lost a lot. I made mistakes. I failed. Uh, I spent a lot of energy ending nowhere. Uh, when you spend a lot of energy losing in the end the customer, it's it's lost energy, right? So in the end, I, I hated sales. But today, um, very frankly, uh, I get paid to, to, to have fun. And I really mean it. Yeah, but I also like the transition that you made there because at the beginning you got frustrated because you were kind of chasing the numbers, yep. chasing closing the deals, while now you're more looking for the right relationships with the right people. Exactly. Um, and that's, that's a complete different story. You just look at sales in a three different lens. I exactly. Like um, the relationship, the building up uh, is extremely important and the results will follow. Uh, it's like right. playing playing a tennis game, right? Um, I think that uh, these big tennis players, uh, every single point, they go for the maximum, right? And in the end, they will win. The result is that they will win. But if you fix uh, or focus on that result, on winning, yeah, you get so scared and in the end you lose, right? Because you are not focusing on the game anymore, you're focusing on the result. So that is that is that is a different mindset. I like that. So did you also work um, like that on your sales skills, where you focused more on you know the development of your own sales skills and sales capabilities uh, at some point in your career, um, instead of saying I need to close a deal? Yes, exactly. Uh, or is it me, is it kind uh, of a lifestyle slash mindset of yours that you know you just do it constantly? You always look for ways to improve yourself. Yeah, of course, in the beginning, you had to focus on it eh? because I, I, I started as a young guy and uh, they got they gave me a target. So, and I was looking at the target and I was like, yeah, the target was everything, right? Where am I today? And how much do I still have to, to, to make to, to reach my target or even go above my target? So I was so much focused on, on these figures. And also my management was uh, focusing on these figures because every sales meeting, they came back on, okay, where are we? Uh, what is the gap still to, to be closed? So I thought about, in the beginning, I thought like, yeah, going after these figures is like what it is all about. And then I, 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 in the beginning, I, I had to completely refocus on saying, okay, let, let's forget about these figures. Put them aside, right? And now you focus on doing the right things right at the right time with the right stakeholders. Eh? Try to improve in what you do. And you will see that the compensation for doing the right things right at the right time with the right stakeholders will be that in the end, the deals will follow, right? It's like right. Ben Crabbe in, in Blocken every day saying in, in Blocken, uh, answer on the questions and the letters will come by, by itself. It's, exact, it's exactly the same. It's the same thing. It's, it's exactly the same thing, right? Do the right things right at the right time with the right people and in the end, the revenue will come. Instead I think of that's a great thing to say for young salespeople. That's something they have to really take into heart. What are other tips, tricks you would give a young salesperson right now? If they had to start in sales, uh, be authentic. So um, being a sales guy is not like uh, assuming a role, right? It's not a role play. It's it's, it's being yourself, right? The person that I'm that, that I'm um, being right now in this in this in this in this podcast is exactly the same person that you would meet, uh, let's say, in a cafe or outside work. I'm exactly the same, right? Um, you see what you get. Be authentic. That is the most important message that I can give to a young sales. Um, you should get energy from other people, of course, because if you don't get energy from other people, probably sales is not the proper job it's for you. It's kind of a red flag. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the only. That's the only. Uh, let's say uh, go no go to go in to step into sales is do you like people, right? In your private life, uh, in your hobbies, do you like people around you or not? If you get energy from other people, seriously consider sales because it's so much fun if you know how it works. But and be, those and kind be, of skills like authenticity, um, being around people all the time you like it, those are pretty intangible. So how are you going to select those people when you're going to recruit them, those young salespeople? How will you select them? 
Well, one of the questions um, that I like to ask a sales guy is, imagine there is a 1 million euro on your bank account. What would you love to do? If there is any link with sales, then it's the right guy. But sometimes I get a completely different answer. They say, uh, oh, if I would have uh, lots of money, then I would love to uh, work with wood. I got once the answer from a guy saying, <laughs> I would schrijverkerij uh, in English, I don't know what the word is. Um, I, would, I would buy a schrijverkerij and work with wood. And I felt like, this is not this this has nothing to do with, with 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 sales right as long as there is a link with doing sales then you are probably selling the woods of course yeah of course yeah yeah but he was not that was yeah but that was not that his was answer not his answer was about working with my hands and making something out of wood oh, yeah. that was his answer yeah. Then you have which, to is not, which is not bad, uh, let's say, um, if you uh, want to do it as a hobby. But I told him, okay, imagine there is plenty of money on your bank account. What would, what would be your prime activity in your life? And he said, ah, working with my hands and building something out of wood. Oops, sorry. Sorry for that. That says enough. No All right. Let's transition now maybe to, to your current activity. What are you currently doing? I've seen something as the uh, the sales luggage tell us more about that <laughs> um actually it is what we do today is a little bit related to um our vision where we believe that humans live longer and companies die sooner okay. the majority the majority of the the big companies today will not be there anymore in 2030 they will have disappeared and their positions their leading positions will be taken by the startups of today so it means that um, the startups of today are the competitors of the corporates that's that's our vision so from there our mission is to enable um, scaling companies to invent invent build and accelerate and with the corporates to reinvent rebuild and reaccelerate right all right so that is that is actually uh, what we do with the house of sales um, and why we have two kind of segments of customers the scaling companies on the one hand and then the SMB and the, and the, and the corporates right. on the on, on the other hand okay and so tell us more about the sales luggage what yeah, is that all about <laughs> the sales luggage um, to help the scaling companies to uh, invent, build, and accelerate. Um, we have been thinking about uh, packing together with them a sales suitcase, right? Uh, allowing them to acquire new customers faster, following a consistent go-to-market process and sharing consistent messages, right? Um, what was the reason that, yeah. Yeah, what's the reason why we build it? Yeah. Well, everything is fine as long as the founder is selling his baby. But from the moment onwards, when they are hiring sales or when they are setting up um, sales channels, business partners, or when they look for people representing them abroad when they want to go international, um, from that moment onwards, um, the founder is facing growing pains because there is a lack of sales fundamentals. And so we put these sales fundamentals into a sales suitcase. So you to have consistency in the go-to-market process as well as in the messages that um, your sales channels are using to the outside world. Consistency. So what does it mean? Imagine that uh, we would build a sales suitcase for uh, U-Sites Independently, whether I see Dylan or Martin, I will have two times the impression that I saw the same company. Hmm. Really, yeah. Whereas the consistency is, consistency. is key. 
Yeah, consistency is key because only by uh, having consistency in your process and only having consistency in the messages that you bring to the outside world, you get resonance. That's typically marketing, resonance in the market. And then they start understanding, the market uh, starts to understand who you are. And when they understand who you are, they will come to you. Okay. So what what are the elements of, of the sales suitcase? What, what do you look for in terms of consistency? So the basics, we, we cover actually a sales strategy, but the basics, eh? not, we're not writing a book, right? <laughs> um, it's about vision and mission. You need a vision to inspire your customers and you need a mission to be relevant to your clients. Okay, so like vision that. and a mission is the Olympic minimum. The, the level up is your sales plan. So a sales strategy is about doing the right thing. A sales plan is more tactical. It's doing the right thing or the right things right. That's on a yearly basis, doing the right things right within one fiscal year. A strategy is more okay. uh, time horizon of three years. Whereas your sales plan is, what is the sales plan 2022 or 23? What do we want to achieve within one, one fiscal year? Within this year. Yeah. yeah. So that is, that is also extremely important. Uh, I warmly recommend our customers to only focus, focus on three targets, three KPIs, not five, not six, because otherwise you get day focus. And right. I recommend to take one uh, KPIs in Euro and one in a qualitative. Uh, KPI like a volume in, 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 in numbers, but not okay. in amounts, not in money, not in euros. And then okay. the, the highest level is about sales operations. Sales operations is about um, how do you deal with people, right? Salespeople uh, from the moment you want to recruit them until the, mo- the moment when they leave you. There mm-hmm. is a whole series of things that you have to do with them. First of all, the recruitment. Who is your ideal sales profile? It's, an, it's a very important, like what we said before, who is your ideal customer? Who is your ideal sales guy or salesperson? Right? Uh, how important. are you going to recruit that person? How are you going to onboard that person? Lightspeed onboarding is extremely important. It should take three days and not, and not weeks and months. Uh, how are you going to compensate a sales, right? What is covered by the fixed salary? What is uh, an extra in commission, for instance? What do you put in the commission? Uh, how are you going to manage salespeople? Uh, how are you going to uh, further develop your salespeople? Uh, and in the end, how are you preparing an exit when they leave? So everything, that, that whole people part is covered. Okay. People, and then the next is processes and tools. Process is what is the sales process? Bef- um, from the first moment you get your touch base with the client until the moment when he leaves you, that's the customer journey. But in mm-hmm. there, you have to go to market process. That's, that is the part where sales is in control. So what is your sales process? And how do your customers buy from you? This is an extremely important question that I ask to a lot of our clients. What is your sales process? Oh, it depends. Wrong answer. <laughs> a sales process is something which is fixed. It's, it's a step-by-step And that's approach. the thing that you can be in control. So but Yeah. How, it's amazing. I, I get some, uh, sometimes a feedback from CEOs saying, yes, my sales or our sales are not proactive enough. And so my next question is, what is your sales process? It depends. I said, that's the reason why they are not proactive. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. If you don't have a sales process, you don't have proactivity. You cannot expect proactivity from your sales. It's impossible. They don't know what to do next. Right. There's no clear next step. Exactly. Exactly. And then the the subsequent uh, issue is, how do your customers buy from you? Because you guys have a sales process before you close, but your customers also have a procurement, a process. purchasing, a buying process before they will engage with you. 
So what is that process? Yeah, it depends. Wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, in public tenders, in public tenders, the buying process is explicitly mentioned in the document. When I ask salespeople working in private companies and I ask them, what is the buying process of your customers? They have no clue. How can you take control over the decision process of your client if you don't know it? Ask the question. This is What's for you the, um, the, the best thing about knowing the buying process? Is it where you know how to pick in at what time? Yeah. First of all, there is uh, some, some uh, conditions before you can be able to control the buying process. First of all, you have to build a relationship. They have to trust you. They will trust you when they feel that you are concerned about their belly button. If you then, next, you prove value to their business, eh, you can prove that you can improve their revenues, lower their cost, control their risk, or offer benefits to the internal or external customers, right? Um, right. Then they will allow you to take that control. They will, sometimes they even, as I said before, they will even ask you to help them make a decision in your favor. Okay, I yeah. love that. You need to create yeah. trust and then they will let you take over, they will let you take control over the over their processes. Exactly, they will tell you, um, in the past I had several customers saying, you know Bruno, um, when you want us to do this business with you, we need that person to be convinced, that person and that person and that person. So we will help you explain who that person is and what uh, this person is How you is can driving. get them on board. Yeah. Right. And, and they, they, they really ask you, okay, can you do it? Because it's, it's a tough guy. It's a difficult guy. <laughs> so if you can help us to convince him, then we will make business And we would love to make it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, so interesting. The sales suitcase is to grow the business with consistency. You look at a strategy, at the sales plan, sales operation, people, the sales process, buying processes. Is there anything else? Yeah, and then the tools. Eh? The last one, people, processes, and tools. And tools uh, if you talk about uh, sales operations, the three buttons a sales uh, director can, can, can turn is he can turn the people uh, button, the, the process button. That is what we call in the house of sales the reality circle where we have aligned uh, the sales process of our customers with the buying process of their customers. And then finally, is the tool is about tools. It's using, for instance, uh, the CRM. A CRM is the Olympic minimum if you want to share information inside your company. So uh, if you want to uh, collect all kind of customer information, it should be in a CRM, right? Um, and that is the Olympic meaning. In the, in the beginning, uh, you can work with um, a spreadsheet, but you have many CRMs available today that are not that expensive. That are for free, right? And sometimes free, exactly. I mean, they have a free freemium, a free trial. Oh, a freemium. A freemium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I warmly recommend to start working with the CRM. And also, again, same story, to use it in a consistent way, right? Uh, so it means that if Martin is putting uh, an opportunity in there at 80% and you as well, uh, Dylan, another opportunity also at 80%, I would love that the 80% of Martin is, is comparable with the 80% of Dylan the same and, thing. And, not, and not like yeah. uh, based on some coaching saying, yeah, but hold on, Martin, your, your opportunity is far from being at 80%. <laughs> Uh, Hans's spell go back to the start and you, you are at, at, at 30%, right? So this right. is also important to use the, the CRM in a, in, a consistent, in a consistent way. And the icing on the cake is if you can, uh, let's say, uh, integrate your go-to-market process in your CRM. Into your CRM. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said before. Um, I find it pretty interesting. You said that most of the big companies will be gone in 2030 taking over by the scale-ups, etc. This suitcase is more for the scale-ups, but what do you do then with those big companies to reinvent themselves, to reevaluate their way of working and to re-accelerate? Yeah, that's, that's, that's an extremely good question. Um, and I'm a little bit smiling because, uh, frankly speaking, we built the sales suitcase for the scaling companies. And of course, these corporates, they sometimes ask, 
by the way, Bruno, what do you do with these uh, scaling companies? And I'm referring to this sales suitcase. And after some thinking, they say, you know what? We need a, we need a sales suitcase ourselves. We would love to have a sales suitcase ourselves because we have a lot of products. So you never had to push it. You never had no, to no, push no, it. No. They, came, they came by themselves. They, they came. Well, of course, I was explaining what this sales suitcase is because I made some, some, some posts on LinkedIn as well and, and some of them read it and they say, well, what is it all about this sales suitcase? What, what is it all about? And I explained it to help, let's say, scaling companies uh, to, to, to follow a consistent process and share consistent messages to acquire new customers, right? faster and I say yeah but we need it as well because we have so many products and services can you make it simple for our sales force um, because we have yeah. we have we have tons of products and services can you make it simple for them uh, our portfolio simple so that we have at least the diagnose questions the must ask questions to the customer and the value propositions in there so we have today three corporate customers um, where we are packing a sales suitcase as well. You know, if you say that the goal is to create consistency into the sales, you know, approach and, mm -hmm. and everything, I can imagine that corporates can even benefit from that. Absolutely. Because you have so many products, so many team members, it's hard yeah. to keep the consistency into place. Abs absolutely, absolutely. So that, what is, what is, that is one of the things that we, we, we start doing uh, until recently, that um, even corporates came to us saying, yeah, but, you know, but we also need that sales suitcase. That's, that's one thing. And then the second thing that uh, we do is that uh, most corporates are built to suck. Right, uh, there's too much silos. Uh, there's too much uh, structure. Uh, there's too much processes uh, and things like that. So what what we do is break down silos. And our big dream, our big dream, what we are actually putting into execution is to break down these silos between marketing, sales, and services or customer success, and we build one revenue team. That that's what we do with with these corporates. Building. That's also kind of the the future of. Sales, no? Is it yeah. not going more into revenue, just breaking those silos, put them all Absolutely. together, have a yeah. good alignment? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is the, big, the biggest uh, benefit that corporates can have is to go back to day one. Like Jeff Bezos from uh, Amazon is saying it every day to his uh, co-workers, uh, let's go back to day one. So let's break down every, every, all the barriers that we have built in our company. Let's, let's break them down and let's go back to day one. And let, let's again let's take initiative let's fail let's learn uh, let's go for me the, the most important credo uh, when I move uh, or when we work with with corporates is is uh, as I said eh, reinvent rebuild reinvent rebuild break down the silos and then reaccelerate yeah cut cut the the the, the, the overweight uh, cut the the fat um, Behave as a startup. That's that's the big issue of most of the the corporate companies. And do they then listen to you when you say those things? Is it easy for them to make the adjustment? Um, well, first, uh, what I the first thing that I see is a smile on their face because uh, apparently what I'm saying is 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 familiar to them because they know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I've been working for corporates um, and. I work for the two. Today we work for the two. We work for the scaling companies and we work for the for the corporates. If if you see the the speed um, that that uh, with that that the scaling companies are 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 having to move forward compared to the slowness that most corporates have before they move forward, it's 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 unbelievable. These, these, these startups, they, they think about something and they say, okay, let's do it. Right. They're fast. They're fast. It's their biggest strength. Yeah. They, 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 it's, it's like they, they put their, their, their gearbox always in, 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 in. They start from, from one and they go up in, uh, to the fourth or the fifth or the sixth gear in, 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 a, in a massive speed. <laughs> They're racing. And, and these corporates, they are, they are so slow. They... So, so tell me if, you know, more and more, uh, let's, let's think more towards, you know, the future of sales and how is that going to be going to evolve um, in the future? 
you say that you know fast speed is very important and you know nowadays you see all those kind of sales tech sales tools arise to to just help you become a faster and a better salesperson do you believe that we will be we will go more towards that automated sales processes um automated sales processes um are important uh uh, let's say next to the the human the human part okay and of course you can automate transactional sales right uh, transactional sales uh, I, I put it in the opposite to, to, to complex sales where you have a lot of human interactions um, uh, everything that can be automated you should do it because it's cheaper than all these complex sales type of, of, of business where you need let's say expensive sales guys and you, you, you have very long uh, sales process and complex decision uh, thing. So anything that you can automate is fine, right? Even, even that complex sales, we have, uh, let's say, built the reality circle and we have included it recently, the reality circle into the HubSpot versions, enterprise and uh, professional and enterprise. Okay. So there is a trend you're right uh, dylan that um sales is moving to an exact science right um where sales is becoming maths mm -hmm. if do you, you believe in that yes because it's all that's a debating question is it is it an art is it a science so you say it's a science it's no, it's a combination of the two um it's certainly a science sales is more and more moving in the direction of a science but with a human touch Right, and the human touch is making the difference. The, right? the, the the sales automation is like the Olympic minimum to stay in the race, right? But the human touch will make you win or lose. So it's a combination of the two. And what are then the skills that a salesperson nowadays needs to be future-proof, to be able to work and functionate in that new sales? Yeah. Also, that, that's, that's, that's a smart question, Martin, uh, because that is something that has been evolving uh, over the years. Uh, if you would ask me this question today, uh, you can guess that if you would have asked me the question, let's say, 10 years ago, it would be a completely different answer. Um, out there, to me, you have 5% sales professionals. Only 5%. And they have four char characteristics. And the first, uh, the first one, and I repeat myself, they are in control. So they are masters in control. They control their sales process, but they also control the buying process of their customers. That's one. Second, the sales professionals are experts in the business of their clients. Right? That's another reason why to be very selective in choosing your clients. Make sure that your customers are lookalikes. So that you have you, expertise in their business. Exactly. Yeah. So that in the end, they will feel Dylan, he knows exactly who we are and he knows exactly in what kind of industry we work and what the trends are in our industry. So what the opportunities and threats are that we are facing. He knows them. So we will work with Dylan. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you already think and brainstorm together at a whole other level because yeah. you just, you know, you know all the basics and just can yep. go straight to the point to the to the hard discussions exactly all right if you work for instance in the pharmaceuticals um, I recommend you Google trends in pharmacy in, in, in pharmacy in pharmacy industry right learn about it what, what the trends are what are the implications for the, the companies in there uh, what are the kind of possibilities they are thinking about and, and, and how can you contribute to that so uh, prove yourself to be an expert in the business of your clients that's number two a number three characteristic of these sales professionals is to be task-oriented, like all sales. Uh, what we learn typically in, in trainings, uh, ask questions to understand the needs and the pains and to come with an answer or a solution. That's the Olympic min minimum. Every sales is doing that. But the 5% sales professionals, they're all also people-oriented. It means that in every single project, they're asking the people around the project what is your personal interest in this project. So they, they try to find out about the individual ambitions of each of the stakeholders involved in the project. They know exactly this specific project 
I know why it is important to Maarten. And I will also know why this specific project is important to Dylan for completely other reasons. Because in these corporates, you have many stakeholders with individual agendas. Right. So the sales professional is very knowledgeable about the individual agendas of the stakeholders uh, involved in a project. So they are task-oriented and people-oriented, which of Can course you... will help them to bring these stakeholders into consensus. Because if I know your personal agenda, Dylan, and I know your personal agenda, Martin, it, makes, it gives me a massive advantage to bring you guys into a consensus in my favor. It only okay. makes sense. Yeah. And then the last characteristic, <clears throat> and that's maybe a strange one, but dare to say no. The okay. more you say no to a customer, the shorter or the, the, the closer you come to the yes. Um, a sentence that I'm using uh, frequently is, I don't think we are the right party for you. I don't <laughs> think the house of sales is the right party for you. And then I get a reaction I can, like... I can yeah. I can imagine you get the questions, why? And why is that? Why have we set uh, wrong? Right? You know, and if I see that they are fighting themselves to get them back, to get them back in the race, right? Then I say, okay, they are eager to do business with us. Right? right. And what are the typical moments you say no to them? Is it a certain thing they say or? Um, the different moments. Um, at the moment of segmentation. When a customer is coming to us and when that profile is not 100% in sync with the ideal customer profile that we have put forward in, into our segmentation. That's one moment when we can say, I don't think we are the right party for you. Um, another way when um, I'm saying no is, for instance, if they would ask me in the very first meeting after my price, I will say, no, I can't give you any price. What you are asking me is the price of a BMW. And you have BMWs costing 20,000 or 25,000 up to 250,000. So it's too early. Right. I will give you my price when I have an idea on what price I will charge you. I don't know it. Frankly speaking, I don't know. Another moment when I say no is, for instance, um, when I've met with all the stakeholders and we are very strict on uh, the qualification of the lead. When we believe that uh, our chances are not high enough to win the deal, I step back, right? Okay. Um, like, um, you know, uh, there is a public tender and we haven't been involved in advance, probably I will not participate. I do not participate anymore in tenders where we have not been involved in advance. And the customer is saying, yeah, but Bruno, any, everything is in the RFP, in the document. I said, I want to know everything which is not written in the document. <laughs> so um, that's another way, a moment, Martin, when I say no. Um, you know, sales professionals, they win more, but they lose earlier. And that's, they win more, but lose earlier. They lose earlier. And that's extremely important. I hear from our customers, you know, we are hiring pre-sales guys or we are looking for people in our bid team. It means that they don't say no enough times, right? You have to be much more selective. If you accept everything, every opportunity, yeah, of course that you are short of pre-sales resources. Of course you need to hire people from your bid team. Yeah, time is money, especially for sales. So exactly. if you can focus your, your time more efficiently on, on the right deals by exactly. losing earlier. Yeah. Uh, choose your battles. Sales professionals, they are uh, extremely selective in the type of uh, leads they're working on. Extremely selective. Right? Uh, so it means that when they do something, right, and when they involve themselves and the rest of the organization to participate in a project, this is because they win. They, 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 they are convinced that they will win. If, if they are not convinced, they step back and they say, drop it. It's not for me, it's, it's, it's not, for not us. worth it. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. So, Bruno, let me kind of kind of summarize the, the whole podcast here because I have a paper full of notes 
So first of all, we started with there was and still is a misconception about sales. And we at USAS, we have the ambition to change that. Uh, you said that you liked people and that that aspect of yourself actually pushed you towards sales. Uh, at the beginning, you lost a lot of deals, but actually failing is normal. And when you lose, you just look back at, all right, what can I do to improve myself? You had three aha moments, or at least three aha moments that you gave away. First one is you go into a conversation with the prospects and you talk about the belly button of the prospect, not about yourself. Stop with the presentation, go into a conversation. Second one was be in control. And this one you, you, you have said multiple times, be in control of your sales process, but also of the buying process. The third one was choose the right customer. You want to see fire in their eyes. Yep. And, um, and how to find the right customers is by doing a good segmentation, right? Mm -hmm. Then a, a good tip that you gave to young, profe young, young professionals that you know, is just starting into sales and that are overly ambitious and just want to do too much, they should stop that and just be authentic, just be themselves. Uh, it's a people business. Then you told us about the house of sales, right? Where you want to invent, build, and accelerate uh, scale-ups, but reinvent, rebuild, reaccelerate corporates. You have introduced a sales suitcase where you want to, uh, to help businesses grow with consistency. Think of strategy, plan, sales operations, and within sales operation tools, people, and the processes, sales process, buying processes. Um, and something you also said pretty interesting was you first need to create trust with prospects. And once you have that trust, they will give you control. Yeah. That was very interesting. And then yeah. finally, to make people uh, future-proof for sales, four elements, they have to be in control, as we said earlier. They have to be expert in the business of the client. They have to be task and people oriented. And fourth, they have to say no. Dare to say no. Ex exactly. Yeah, yeah, dare All right, to Bruno. Say no. Thank you very much. Um, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me uh, on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, my name is De Smet in one word with a T in the end. And uh, my first name is Bruno. And then, of course, uh, we are right now rebuilding our website. So the one you are seeing right now is uh, still the old version <laughs> existing since. Yeah, it's under construction, right? So we are completely rebuilding uh, the website based on the main messages that I've shared uh, with you guys. Um, but always, um, if people want to talk to me, uh, I love to talk about sales, uh, even if there is no Obviously. immediate uh, <laughs> opportunity to work together. But, uh, you know, you guys asked me, Bruno, do you want to do a podcast about sales? Uh, I think it took, me, it took me three seconds and less to, to give an answer. Okay, of course, guys, when, when can we do with that? So uh, I, love, I, love, I love it. And um, if I can inspire, uh, let's say, young people to step into sales, I would love to do that. Uh, it's, 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 it's massive. This job is massive. I love it. Um, I get paid for it every day to, to laugh my butt off. So um, I would warmly recommend to do that. Amazing. Great. Now, to end this podcast, you have one more question. Think about it. It's a big one. If Bruno de Smet was a brand, what would it stand for? Um, a brand. <laughs> um, oh, it's a, that's a difficult one. Um, Take your time. Something with energy. With energy. Uh, you know, for me, my daily life in sales is all about energy. People think that I spend so much energy, but I can tell you, even if people get the impression that I'm spending so much energy, at the end of the day, I get even more energy from them. So every evening, I enjoy the moment when I'm sitting in my, in my couch with a good triple. I love to drink a triple. That's my daily uh, compensation <laughs> for a hard working day. It's, 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 it should be related to energy. Energy, I found my energy in sales. Um, so any, any, if I would brand myself, it should be related to something that is related to energy. My, the word energy that's, is... That's a good answer. I mean, that's a, that's a man that lives, uh, you know, passionately. I love it. Yeah. 
exactly. Um, I have made a lot of decisions in my life where I could have gone for more money, uh, but I was honest to myself and I said, okay, go for the money or you go for the fun and, uh, and, uh, and doing what you want to do uh, and right. not having these verplichte nummertjes like, uh, like we call it. <laughs> Every day I decide what I do. Every day I decide what I do and I pick out these things that where I can spend my energy and get a return on energy investment that is even bigger than what I spent. <laughs> so th that's You know I think I think that's maybe even the the best lesson that you uh, you gave away during this podcast. Bruno, I think we have reached uh, the end of this episode. Thank you for being our guest today. Okay, it was my pleasure, guys. <laughs> so yeah. All right.